Welcome to Second City Liberty, a Chicago-centric podcast that takes a look at politics, current events, sports, and pop culture through the lens of liberty. I'm your host, Jim Hume. Thanks for tuning in. Over the past half decade or so, a number of state, county, and municipal governments have passed ordinances and resolutions decriminalizing psychedelic compounds and ethnogenic plants. Denver, Colorado was one of the first to decriminalize psilocybin mushrooms in 2019, and since then, other localities have followed suit. Ann Arbor, Michigan, Oakland, California, Santa Cruz, California, to name a few. There are also more medical uh, studies that have been done that show that these substances offer benefits to those suffering from disorders such as PTSD and depression. There is currently legislation working its way through Springfield that addresses the decriminalization issue, but as of now, these substances are still illegal in the state of Illinois. My guest today is Evanston City Councilman Devon Reed. Councilman Reed recently attempted to pass a decriminalization resolution in the Chicago suburb. Devon, uh, welcome, well, Councilman Reed. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for uh, for for joining me to uh, to discuss this de decriminalization issue. Yes, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here with you. Great, I appreciate it. Hey, uh, maybe tell me a little about a little bit about the uh, the resolution or the ordinance that uh, that you were kind of putting together. Um, what exactly it would entail, and then uh, kind of kind of what the result of that was. Yes, yeah, certainly. So uh, the measure was to, unfortunately in Illinois, uh, mere possession of any amount of psilocybin or uh, many of the, you know, uh, ayahuasca, many of these entheogenic plants, uh, any possession of any amount is a felony. Um, and uh, in the state of Illinois, we as a municipality don't have the ability to, uh, you know, uh, to, to regulate a felony. We cannot um, remove the felony from the state code, but what we can do is instruct our police department to make enforcement of that uh, penalty uh, the lowest priority. That's what Ann Arbor, Michigan did. Um, and we can also create an alternative uh, charge at the local level that would not be a felony and, uh, you know, uh, could be adjudicated in a non-criminal non way. And so really this measure, uh, move, moving forward with uh, decriminalizing psilocybin, the point there was to start to pave the way for decriminalization of other uh, controlled substances, because we know that the war on drugs has not been a success, and we need to start treating uh, addiction as a public health issue and not a criminal issue. Yeah, definitely. And especially a lot of these substances, uh, psilocybin, um, uh, ketamine, MDMA, a, yes. lot of, a lot of these have shown a lot of promise um, in uh, in uh, uh, treating uh, mental disorders, PTSD. Yeah, yeah. A lot of these things have been useful, uh, and it and uh, uh, research becomes hard to when these things are still on, on the on the on the uh, schedule. There, they become hard, harder and harder to uh, to do any research with. So that would also be a good step in at least opening up um, the ability to research some of these chemicals. And uh, I think uh, Northwestern University is a major. Yes there in Evanston, and uh, that would certainly open up a lot of opportunities there as well. Uh, so, uh, my understanding was that the uh, the ordinance did not did not did not pass the council, um, but uh, there was some input from the 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 local law enforcement as well. 
Yeah, well, it's not over yet. Uh, so the uh, measure went to was for what we call discussion at uh, one of our committees, Human Services. Um, the vote that was taken, there was a vote taken as to whether or not to instruct staff to move forward with um, uh, preparing an ordinance and doing research on this. So the vote on that was no, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I have been very successful in passing a whole lot of things here and, you know, one no vote uh, does not mean it's over and, uh, you know, we'll, as the chair changes for that committee, I, I plan to bring this back and uh, move forward with the pursuing this great i think the uh uh the local uh, chief of police kind of weighed in also and, and had mentioned that they really weren't arresting people that he could recall for uh possession of uh, at least psilocybin anyway uh that that he could even remember uh so it it seems like that it's probably not even a priority right now but uh, definitely getting it officially on on the books as a as an ordinance or resolution would uh well, I I think that's part of the issue. Uh, when when I see uh, ordinate, uh, when I see criminal code provisions that have no charges um, for particularly for a long period of time, and it's one of those things that we know that people are doing. Um, you know, this isn't the uh, you know the chicken coop ordinance. You know, there may not be people out there who are illegally storing chickens, but this is we know folks are using uh, psilocybin and other ethnogenic plants in our in our community and one thing we do know also is that you know uh, these substances in particular are not very popular amongst communities that tend to be over policed um, and so I would imagine that part of you know that potentially part of the reason that we're not um, encountering it is that given the demographic of who's more likely to use these uh, substances no absolutely uh, um that that uh, that makes a lot of sense, and it it, uh, it definitely tempers the way any any type of uh, discussion is is going to lead to for sure. Um, <clears throat> but great, I mean it uh, it sounds like a uh, you're still working on it, and uh, we'll definitely kind of kind of follow that and, and see how things progress uh, on that uh, on that front. I'm excited to see to see what happens. Uh, I know there's some uh, 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 as I mentioned in the opening, there is some um legislation working its way through springfield uh that might address the uh the decriminalization of uh of psilocybin anyway uh, and i think also that would go a long way in allowing you know some of these municipalities uh county governments local governments to uh uh not even have to worry about the issue yeah uh, yeah because there, there aren't a lot of municipalities or local units of government that have laws specifically against psilocybin or many of these entheogenic plants. So if the state were to clear it up, it, it would solve the issue uh, for many folks. Um, and, you know, particularly this is it, it, at the state level, it's being uh, sponsored by uh, Representative LaShawn Ford, uh, Anna Stava Murray, and, and uh, in fact, a representative from our neighboring uh, community um, in Skokie um as well and so it's uh you know it's got seemingly a, a broad base of support you know LaShawn ford represents the south side of chicago proportions of the south side the other folks represent uh, other suburban areas and the skokie representative uh, north side so it, it seems to have broad based support and you know their focus really is uh, allowing the compassionate use of psilocybin as you mentioned uh there, there are many therapeutic uses 
of these anthropogenic uh, uh, plants. And, you know, we need to start allowing folks to, to use what, you know, whether you're religious or not, what, you know, God put here, what is naturally occurring in, in, in our environment uh, to criminalize uh, uh, possession of such a substance to me just is antithetical to our American values of freedom. I agree. <laughs> That's great. Um, I did also notice, uh, you know, doing a little bit of research as well, that uh, something else that you were working on were uh, some cannabis lounges, mm -hmm. uh, uh, permitting those. Uh, I know that's been kind of kicked around uh, here in the city of Chicago as well. But uh, again, still still not a reality uh, to be able to allow uh, local uh, businesses to provide this service or this location where folks can in, enjoy cannabis, which is uh, legal now here in the state of Illinois, uh, in a, uh, in a, uh, in a setting like they would at a, at a, at a bar or a, a yep. wine bistro. Um, uh, maybe tell me a little bit about, uh, your, your work in that area as well. Yeah, no, I appreciate the question. And, and, you know, while cannabis is legal recreationally here in Illinois, um, sorry, my phone, uh, we, in, in Evanston and in, in many communities across Illinois, it is illegal to consume cannabis in public. You can't walk down the street and consume cannabis, unlike a cigarette. Um, we have in Evanston a Clean Air Act, and the state has a Clean Air Act. Um, it's illegal to consume indoors uh, in, in, in a, you know, a, a non-private space indoors. So you couldn't go to a, obviously, a bar. And we don't want to go back to the days where folks can smoke on planes and, you know, other places and harm other folks' health. But having a, and then also separately, uh, many folks can't even smoke in the privacy of their own home because it may be a violation of their lease. They may have a, a parent that they are a caregiver for um, who is elderly and they don't want to consume, uh, you know, smoke uh, near, near them or they may have children. And so there's, for some people, there's nowhere that they can legally smoke without jeopardizing their housing or the health and safety of people they care about. And um, so, you know, my, my idea was if we allow legal lounges, we can create a space where folks can go legally, safely consume uh, cannabis products. And the state law is very, uh, 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 you know, clear and strict on this, that um, consumption lounges must have you know, pretty state-of-the-art air filtration systems. Um, I would imagine that anybody who would choose to work at a cannabis consumption lounge is someone who uh, either likely consumes cannabis themselves or is um, very comfortable in that environment. Um, and there are some people who this may be an optimal job for. Um, and, you know, I so I, I put forward the measure and we were unable to move forward uh, with it at this time in the city. Uh, there are concerns about you know, uh, one of my colleagues had recently visited uh, Michigan and there was a consumption lounge or maybe a dispensary and the name of it was Dank House. And uh, that colleague felt uncomfortable with the potential of a Dank House opening in, in Evanston and felt that it would not be in the character with the city. But the process that I put forward would be a special use where we, the council, would be able to approve uh, cannabis lounges that fit with the character of our community and, and created this space where folks could legally consume a substance that we are in Evanston really proud um, that we are using the cannabis sales tax revenue to support our reparations program. Um, right. And so, yeah. 
Yeah, and there are, uh, I mean, there are certainly provisions for uh, hookah lounges, cigar bars. These these exist, um, and it, it honestly wouldn't be a whole lot different. And like you said, if there's uh, proper ventilation and and whatnot, it, I, it, it's hard to see why anyone would have an issue. But uh, you know, like anything else, uh, it's uh, a lot of folks that you know they, they they don't want that they don't want it in, uh, uh, next door or in their neighborhood so it uh it, it starts to lead lead to these uh to these issues but uh again well keep working on it i i think if uh um i think we might start seeing a, a few localities accept this and uh there may be a blueprint to follow uh in the not too distant future to to see how it goes so uh there, yeah we, wheeling has recently uh passed it and in fact uh there's a new dispensary that's going to be locating in 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 my ward which uh, i represent the eighth ward of evanston which is south evanston uh my ward borders with the city of chicago at howard street half the street chicago half of its evanston and we have a new dispensary coming to howard street on the evanston side uh, okay dispensary and their location in wheeling is the first location in cook county uh, uh with a, a, a consumption lounge uh, connected to it and you know wheeling isn't the most accessible uh place in in, in the county but right. evanston is very accessible We're right on the border we connect with the cta many bus routes the sales tax revenue that we could you know potentially see from allowing these consumption lounges you know would 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 I think, in my view, really uh, put the icing on the cake for why we should be this and why we should be early, because once Chicago has consumption lounges, no one's going to travel. I mean, very few people are going to take the trek up to Evanston uh, to come. But if we're early on, we can we can see some good revenue. No, absolutely. In fact, uh, I'm looking forward to making a trip up to Wheeling, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, I was looking at it like, oh, they they have uh, they have baked goods, they have beverages. Yes, it's more than just uh, sitting around smoking. So it's a uh, it really is kind of a a new uh, niche uh, industry that that I think has a lot of potential. And like you said, you want to be you want to be one of the first ones on the block when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, that really is going to be an advantage. So, yeah. uh, looking forward to see where things go with that. Uh, and then I, I guess uh, uh, another point to bring up um also as far as uh legalized uh gambling in in evanston mm -hmm. as well um you know there was a, a big controversy with here in chicago with the uh uh opening or the building of this uh this casino mm -hmm. uh north side um that that was uh, uh a lot of the city council posted a lot of them were in favor of it, it looks like it's going through um but uh uh, a lot of a lot of suburbs also have uh, allow gambling machines in in lounges. Uh, so maybe tell me a little bit how, on your approach on uh, on that with yeah. Evanston. So my my approach. So uh, to take a quick step back, I, I did put this the gambling issue forward. Uh, it was a part of a package of ordinances that I put forward uh, to really focus on lowering the city's legal liability. Uh, with ordinances that maybe couldn't be enforced equitably and could lead us to uh, costly lawsuits, but also to make sure that we are upholding the the freedoms and the values of of, of, of Evanstonians, and we're allowing and and to make sure that we're living up to our current values. And you know, with gambling, the idea that we would criminalize potentially, you know non-harmful uh, activity. And again, I, I also think gambling is maybe something that should be treated 
uh, as more of a uh, health concern because it is addictive. I have friends and uh, people that I love who have a gambling addiction. They, you know, are spending sometimes the last of their money buying lottery tickets and online gambling. And so it is something that is concerning and that we need to be concerned with. We don't need to criminalize people for it. Um, and so my goal was to remove from our criminal code uh, references to making gambling illegal. And our code is so archaic and antiquated that it, you know, the way it's written now um, is if, you know, someone on your cell phone, if you were to download DraftKings or, um, you know, any of those other uh, apps that folks are using now to gamble, the way our ordinance is written, it gives the police department the authorization to confiscate your phone and arrest you. Um, and it's written so, you know, loosely, and now this is far-fetched, but it's written so loosely that if you were playing, if, if someone were playing, uh, you know, checkers or chess with their child, um, and they were betting Oreos, um, you know, for the game, our ordinance would authorize our police department to come in there and bust that up and arrest you and your child. And God forbid, if you were playing multiple rounds and you're keeping score, that would be a new charge. Um, and so to me, that was ridiculous. And then as I put that forward, a number of businesses came forward and said, hey, we're interested in potentially having these gaming machines um, in our in our locations. And, um, you know, this could be a, a new revenue stream for us. It could be revenue for the city. And while I am not uh, a proponent of gambling, I, I do think that, you know, um, this is something that rises to the level of allowing folks to do what they choose and making sure that we're providing the education uh, for people to make the wisest choice for them. But it, it doesn't need to be criminal and we don't need to lose out on the potential of um you know, creating um, a fun activity for folks who choose to engage in it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I'm old enough to remember the days in bars in Chicago that would have uh, machines that paid out that uh, were they're totally not legal, but it, it, it happened anyway. And, you know, talk about, uh, um, you know, uh, sell, bars selling squares for football games and like this kind of th stuff has been going on forever. Uh, kind of under the radar anyway, and it's it's not uh, it's not like it's op going to be opening up new doors to uh, to folks that aren't already participating. And like you said, you you can you can download apps on your phone now that allow you to to gamble on on uh, on sporting events and uh, yeah. right through your phone. So it, uh, it ha having uh, having this be more accessible or again decriminalize taking those statues off the books that doesn't that, that don't automatically make criminals of people for participating in that in that uh in that activity uh is 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 definitely in a, a step in the right direction when it comes to uh personal freedoms and, and liberty yeah and and I'll, and I'll mention uh one other thing that was a, a part of uh that package of ordinances and it, it it got a lot of attention uh last year um you know a part of that package was uh, looking at our criminal code around public nudity. Um, and our code specifically uh, used, uh, you know, both gender binary language and specifically gave men rights that it did not give to women. And uh, so it was criminalized for a woman to go topless in, in our community, but not for a man. Um, and biologically, you know, the other than the fact that one uh, set of humans has active mammary glands and the other does not. There is no biological difference between the male chest and a female chest sure. other than that um, and the, obviously the tissues that grow there. But, um, and so to criminalize women and, uh, for that, and then, you know, 
wherever you fall on the you know trans community argument, uh, nonetheless, we have a trans community that exists within our area, and you know the way the ordinance is written, could a trans woman go shirtless in public, even though they have a chest that resembles that of a biological woman, but you know not a biological woman? And so there's you know this confusion that this law creates that treats people unequal. And we've seen in other communities, Fort Collins, Colorado, faced a lawsuit and had to spend over $350,000 defending a lawsuit that they lost in federal court with an ordinance that mirrored ours. Chicago recently had to pay out uh, $25,000 to uh, a trans woman who uh, sued for a similar uh, ordinance violation. And I don't want the Evanston taxpayers to be on the hook for potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, and, you know, I want to make sure that we are upholding the freedoms and liberties of folks, regardless of their gender, regardless of their, you know, gender ideology or whatever the case may be. And that, um, you know, we are, um, you know, truly living in the values of, of our community. And so that was something that we were able to get passed and passed unanimously, um, as well as a few other things. And and so, you know, I, I've one of the focuses that I've had in my term is making sure that um, municipal government isn't doing a particular police department, isn't having to do more than what we really require of them. Um, one, because we have a limited police force, limited budget, and we need to allocate that appropriately. But two, we also need to let people be people and <laughs> live their lives. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, the, 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 the phrase us libertarians like to throw around is victimless crimes. These are all, these are things that, uh, uh, the police force really should not be spending time on and uh you know concentrating on 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 solving violent crimes preventing yes. violent crimes uh that's what makes us all safer uh not not these these kind of silly ordinances that are um uh are kind of on the books as a mostly as a mechanism to fine people mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. uh as a way of of generating income for the uh for the police department or the or the city, um, and also as a way to uh, a lot of times these statutes and ordinances are are used as just ways to add on to other charges that uh, that mm -hmm. uh, that someone could be arrested for. It's just kind of piling on a lot of different uh, charges that um, prosecutors can use as as a way to uh, get pleas from people and that type of thing as well. So the few, the fewer of these kind of ordinances that are, that are on the books uh, for sure is, is, uh, is going to, is going to benefit us all. Um, I don't know if there's any other topics. I know they're the, pretty much the only other thing I know about going on up in, up in Evanston is uh, there's uh, talk of the um, uh, Northwestern university uh, stadium expansion mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and how, you know, they're, they're wanting to get some zoning, uh, laws change to expand to a more of a a you know sports entertainment complex. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you have feelings or, yeah. or opinions on that. But, uh, let, let, let's hear them. Yeah, I, I actually am the only council member thus far who has come out openly supporting this project. Um, and it's you know philosophically, I and who has a philosophy about sports? Well, some people do. Um, but you know, generally, I'm not super. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of sports stadiums in the first place, particularly you know, uh, with nonprofits holding like the NFL. They're not paying the same uh, property taxes that other in, uh, entities would. Uh, they have these huge parking lots, which again, the property tax on that is much lower than it would be on something productive for the city. 
Um, and we just don't want to encourage folks to continue to use cars. Um, and so stadiums in general aren't, you know, something I'm, I'm hugely supportive of. But the city of Evanston does not own this land. This is Northwestern's land. We cannot tell them, um, you know, there's going to be a stadium there one way or another, right? It's their land. That's what they want to do with it. And if we, if there is going to be a stadium there, we should allow them to get the most use and benefit out of that, you know, product, potentially unproductive land by allowing them to have more concerts, more um, sporting events, uh, because that'll bring folks into our community, sh shopping the local businesses, hopefully getting them to park in garages downtown and having Northwestern shuttle them back and forth so they spend some time downtown and spend some money. Um, so this could be a net positive for our community if we allow them the liberty, the freedom to do what they want to do with uh, the space that they own. Um, and, you know, there are people who live near. Did I lose you for a second there? I saw the audio cut out. Yeah, you, you froze up for a second, but no big deal. You're back now. So, yeah, you're saying uh, talking about the folks that live near the, uh, the stadium. Yeah, yeah. So the... there are folks who live near the stadium and, you know, their concern is about noise and traffic and a whole host of issues. And it makes sense. We need to try to address those concerns. But also, you know, you freely chose to live next to a stadium. And what do you expect? Right. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm really supportive. I think Northwestern adds a lot to our community. A, a lot of folks in our community are rightfully uh, concerned about uh, uh, the contributions that Northwestern makes to the community. This happens in any college town. It's even, you know, I'm sure if Chicago were a smaller city, folks would be concerned about the nonprofit universities uh, there. And, you know, Northwestern, uh, uh, you know, doesn't pay property taxes. So they, they're not contributing to our schools and um, you know, they're not contributing potentially enough to the city. They give the city a million dollars every year, 1.5 recently. Um, but, you know, there's been some analysis that maybe they owe between the city and the school districts um, another $8 million um, uh, annually. And for our school districts, that would make a difference um, in our ability to educate our, our children. So I do think Northwestern does have to step up and do a bit more. And hopefully we can use this um, opportunity to have those discussions uh but ultimately i think it makes sense for us to move forward with allowing uh you know this this cultural beacon in our community to continue to operate and operate in a manner that's mutually beneficial and they are like one of the one of the top employers uh in the city of evanston as oh, well by far yeah by yeah far. so um you know any expansion is obviously an opportunity for more jobs as well and, and, and things like that in the community so um well, great. I really appreciate that. If there's any, anything else that you might be working on or uh, to keep our eye out for in, uh, yeah. in, up, in, up in Evanston? Yeah. One thing that I think also, you know, might be interesting from, uh, you know, libertarian perspective. I, one, I, I'm a progressive Democrat. I um, live and grew up in Evanston, lived in Chicago part of my life. But generally, when I look across the spectrum, I, uh, I, I think there are values within every ideology that yeah. makes sense. And that we should be pulling from, um, and you know, I, I, I certainly identify. Uh, some folks have tried to use it as a negative term, but uh, have, have referred to me as a libertarian or you know libertarian council member. But uh, you know, I, 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 that's not quite how I identify. But I, I see a lot of the values. And one of the first things that um, I, I did when I got into office is Evanston had a uh, history of charging for access to our beaches. Um, right. As a Chicagoan, that may sound absurd. Um, right. And as someone who lives, you know, folks who live across the nation, it may sound 
absurd that a community would charge for access to their lakefront. Um, but Evanston did, and it was born out of a, a you know, a history of um, initially what I would say is, uh, you know, blatant racism, because when it came uh, to be in the 1930s, it was as in a response to the first black alderman in Evanston uh, calling to desegregate the beaches. And the council said, sure, but we're going to charge access to some. And then yep. it moved from being a, 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 a directly, you know, racist policy to what I believe uh, today was a classist policy. And I truly believe that racism really just a subsect of classism. Um, and, and so with that, um, you know, we created a tiered system where low income residents were not allowed to see the natural beauty of our lakefront, uh, whereas our more affluent residents could. And we don't charge a small fee. It is uh, $10 a day for the daily pass uh, to go to the Evanston lakefront and, um, you know, I thought that was an injustice. And so we worked to change that. Uh, my goal was to make it free for everyone, because I think everyone, regardless of your, you know, municipal residency, should be able to enjoy the, the natural beauty. But uh, we were able to get it done for Evanston residents and hopefully, you know, down the line, get it done for all folks to be able to enjoy our beautiful lakefront and use it as a tool for economic development, attract folks to our beautiful lakefront and then have them shop in our downtown and um, so I'm, I, I'm, you know, encourage folks, if you happen to be watching, you live in a community where, um, you know, the, your lakefront is, uh, or the oceanfront or whatever is charged uh, access, uh, charged for access, then, you know, maybe work to change that. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, and uh, yeah, again, thanks for coming on. I, I And I agree with that too, that uh, no matter what part of the political spectrum we're all on, we can find issues that we can uh, kind of form coalitions on and work together. So uh, hopefully we can we can continue uh, this conversation or have you back on. I, I would love to have you come to one of our LP Chicago meetings sometime. Uh, we, we meet up in Lakeview, so we're not too far. Um, and and uh, you know maybe keep us updated as to what's going on up in our, our neighbors to the north in Evanston. Certainly. Thank you for having me on. Very nice to meet you. You too. Thank you. And thank all of you for joining me. If you're watching on YouTube, click that subscribe button to stay updated on the latest episodes. If you're tuning in through Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast app, click follow to stay in the loop. You can also follow me on Twitter at Second City Liberty. That's the number two, ND City Liberty. Check out my website, www.secondcityliberty.com. And if you have an idea for the show or a guest that you would like to see appear on the podcast, shoot me an email, jim at secondcityliberty.com. Until next time, stay safe, stay strapped, and stay based.